Everybody, welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. Uh, this is the newest episode. It's November 24th. 4th. 5th. Today, 5th, 25th. It's Black Saturday. It's oh, not yeah. Friday. Does it does it does it have a name the Saturday? No, it doesn't, but there's Cyber Monday and I don't ah, say right, Black Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds cool. But um anyway, uh we're back. We're we we're we're back. We it's were great to be back. Yeah. I so I was away, I was in Belfast Welcome for a home. few weeks. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Honestly, so I came home, Elliot picked me up from the airport. He's very nice that way. I'm a very I came nice home. person. Yeah, well we then we went for some drinks we on did. the way home. He, he also bought me some fast food. That I could eat in the oh, car. Oh, I did get you Carl's Jr., yeah. Yeah, which is very, very nice of you. And then I got home and I was greeted. It almost made me cry with a beautiful I'm Christmas tree. I'm so glad tree. you didn't cry, man. I, I wouldn't have known what to do. That's so sweet. I didn't know that. It was lovely. I walked in the apartment. It was like I'd been traveling for 12 hours. I'd been tired. We'd gone for a drink. I came home and there was just the, the whole apartment was bathed in the light of a Christmas tree. <laughs> Although it was, it was bathed. It looked beautiful. It, it is a pagan symbol, and I, I did feel that I maybe know. we should burn it under but, attack. Yeah, but also it was very beautiful. And then I informed you that it was in fact a fake. A fake it was a fake, yeah, which, which made it okay. Yeah, man, I, uh, I definitely was like, oh, this will be a really nice because I did see. I do have. I, I'm. I was like, you were in Belfast, and I was like, I bet he's gonna come back. And I was like, it just seems like the coziest place. Like Belfast seems yeah. so cozy. Oh, it was so Christmassy and cozy. Yeah. And then oh, you'd come back amazing. and it'd be, I was like, this is at least like, it's not, obviously it's fake and it's, you know, not, not done. But um, I was like, at least that's like not the same as the stark sort of like, welcome back to the Los Angeles environment. Well, I love it because the last few years, like the year that we've lived together, <laughs> we always do like one really depressing uh, tiny yeah like thing, symbol yeah. symbol so like there was one bauble uh, for Christmas yeah. and then for was it was it what was it were you was it Thanksgiving or something you had one thing sitting out um, yeah was that Halloween and then Halloween, Halloween I had like one pumpkin one yeah, pumpkin a tiny pumpkin tiny pumpkin not yep. even a bit so usually there's like one depressing symbol <laughs> and walking in and just seeing a massive yeah, Christmas tree it, it almost it. doesn't fit no, no, it like, almost doesn't actually. And the I fact that the star might be, you know, uh, we have to. I have to get an extension to pull the tree out from the wall a little bit, but yeah, it'll yeah. be it'll be good when it's there because it's too close. It's too taut right now. The line is too taut. Oh, is that right? I don't get to use that word very often. Anyway, yeah. this is a podcast where we talk about the philosophy of life. Is yeah. that how you put it recently? Yeah, because we usually talk about how kind of how to live well. You know, the art of living well using philosophy, but it is also the philosophy of everyday life. I we like look that. at everyday life and we we explore what that can tell us about what it means to be human i like the branding i feel like ironically the first time we're saying that is an episode where the subject matter is not exactly everyday life oh what yeah we're about to <laughs> that's talk true about. what we're about to get into although maybe it will be i think it will be and actually. maybe we'll let's see think, what happens yeah, yeah, see where it well, goes um, Listen, folks, my name is Elliot Morgan, and this is Peter Rollins, and we do a podcast. We live in Los Angeles, California. Uh, Pete is a writer and a theologian, and I myself am a, or he's a philosopher, and I do comedy. Uh, I do a thing with uh, a group called The Valley Folk, which does sketch comedy on YouTube, and I also do stand-up comedy, and I enjoy all of those things. And we do a podcast about this shit, because we like it a lot, and I like it a lot. So this particular episode, Pete... Well, by the way... I'm just to say about that, I believe in this podcast. I think that, you know, we were talking about this, but we I go finally like, finally found something Pete believes in, folks. Yeah. This is the 
this is a big moment. I do. I believe in this podcast. <laughs> when I think about it, I'm like, this podcast has potential because it really does. It man. does, doesn't it? It does. If only some li- we had some listeners. Because, I know because I think people like content, but also they, you know, you want to listen to two people just shooting the breeze, having a drink, having a laugh. I, I but do. But also some yeah. sort of content, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, it's not it's not heavy. It's not my my seminars. I do philosophical seminars it's not that sure. it's not pure comedy it's oh, kind god, of something no. no god there's no not a laugh in <laughs> <Yeah>. the thing <laughs> okay. no, maybe you get up your game no one's asking bit. it to not be to be <laughs> less funny yeah but you know at its best it's just light-hearted reflection on life i think that's a good thing i like it a lot i think you're right i think i was talking to a buddy of mine named mike falzone oh i know mike is a wonderful man yeah he's a wonderful person and we were talking a little bit about comedy and stand-up and all this stuff and i was like stand-up is one of the few realms where like quality eventually will help win at some point like oh, persistence yeah. and com and comedy and in uh talent and comedy like you can kind of still eke your way if you completely dedicate your entire being to it yeah and um and i was like i wonder i was like thinking about the valley folk and we have conversations there where it's like oh we want this to be so much like our numbers to be better than what they are because we feel like the quality is better than the views that we're getting and so we get yeah. in our head about that and then it's like well maybe and it's like the same thing with this podcast where it's like oh this is really good this is a substantially good product and it's like oh this is i think this is the time when it's like you just do the thing like it's yes. like a quality thing and you just do it but here's and, and you know you what you know what we have hit we have saturated our market this is i just came back from an event that I ran in Ireland called Spark. And it was bringing creatives together to talk about how to, you know, move forward in your creative enterprises. I'm going to do it every year. Yeah. Anyway, one of the things we explored is when you do your creative work, you saturate your audience because your audience is yourself. Like the reason why we do this is because we are learning from it. We are enjoying it. So our entire audience is actually ourselves like we are communicating to ourselves if anybody else listens to it yeah that's a bonus that's a bonus okay it's just like we're already getting paid because the payment is the enjoyment of doing it and then if we get any like in the future money from it that's just a cherry on the cake because we're already getting paid by the sheer enjoyment of sitting here in our apartment looking at our christmas tree drinking your whiskey well you Mm -hmm. have beer now and um and just and look, we're getting paid, and you too can get paid, folks listening, by using trywink.com slash thefundamentalists, uh, for which you can get $20 off your first order of wine. That's trywink.com slash thefundamentalists. Wow, look at that. Flawless. 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 See how I wove it in there right when you, you know said what? we were already getting paid? <laughs> yeah, although I love the fact that you lied. I mean, you said you can also get paid. It's like a pyramid scheme. Well, you get a credit. <laughs> you get a Because you can sell the wine to other people. Yeah. They, no, yeah, it's it selling work. a coupon. It's it's yeah. the same way that you get money Like when well, someone's like, you're really making money when you buy this coupon. But yeah, $20 is like, would that be two bottles of wine free? Um, Roughly, if you were $10 bottles of wine. Yeah, it's a couple of bottles. Yeah. A couple of bottles. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. man. Um, so let's talk about yeah. the subject. You ready? What are we going to get into? Well, you tell us. Pete, we're talking about a very fun subject, one that I know very little about. And I've on- I only heard about kind of like on a tertiary level until uh, very recently. But we're talking about the, the, the missionary mm-hmm. who was killed yes. uh, by a tribe in the... Uh, 
just off india okay just off india see yeah. I, this is how little i know <laughs> and so please don't take this as a thing but we pete and i started talking about it, and oftentimes when we're coming up with things to talk about in the podcast we try not to explore the subject too much because we find that the freshness associated with it adds to the conversation that's so, hilarious you're so rationalizing your lack of yes. uh, research absolutely <laughs> disclaiming all of it <laughs> so like, this is why we're doing it and i have a reason for it and this is the reason and if you come at me because i don't know anything and i'm ignorant to the subject please understand i'm i know i'm ignorant to the subject etc cetera, etc cetera. so um, this got us on the conversation of basically evangelizing, uh, and essentially, if you're not familiar with the story, uh, Pete, why don't you explain it? Okay. Because clearly, well, I and, yeah, you don't know much. I don't know much more, but I do know there's there's some sort of archipelago of India, and uh, okay, series, well, right out of the gate, I don't know what archipelago <laughs> yeah. means. So. Just a series of islands, little islands. Such a cool word, it's archipelago. Good, yeah, Ooh, that yeah. might be archipelago. Hmm, that's a fun word yeah that's a good nice. word it's a good word isn't yeah. it yeah um and on one of these islands which is the size of manhattan there is one of the most isolated tribes in the world i get i think there's only like about a hundred tribes in the whole of the world that have had minimal contact with civilization and a tribe means i think it's important to clarify very yeah. few people very like few we're people. dealing with a well, pocket of a pocket of people I mean, the, the last census um, has about 15 people on the island, but I think some anthropologists say there's probably closer to 100 to 150. Yeah, because if it's 15, that's a family. Yes, that's tiny. That is like, that's nothing. So there's probably, according to some, maybe 100. A community, a solid community, yeah. community of people. Yeah. Wow. And these people have been there, like, you know, we are talking to prehistory, pre-written history, maybe 10,000 years, whatever. They probably fleed um, from kind of Central Africa. They got themselves on, it, it may not have even been an island at the time. Yeah. But potentially waters rose. This became an island. And it separated them separated them and they're probably so separated that their language is completely unique to them um there was some contact in the 1800s where A like i think some of the totally British... unique to them. that might be the coolest thing yeah that i've ever that i could kind of imagine about the current world the you... pocket of people that are completely like separated from the rest of society i just think yeah. it's the most fascinating I mean, it's fascinating. Same. It's incredible. I mean, there was in 2000, I think it was 2004, uh, the uh, Indian government sent a helicopter over the island to see if uh, there was any damage after a tsunami. And one of the villagers was shooting arrows at the helicopter. You know, it's like. So they know something is out there. Yeah, well, they have had minimal contact. Yeah. The British were there in the 1800s. Right. So that's the thing I saw on the, the Joe Rogan thing when he was talking about this guy who i guess that's what we should have i should have looked up that guy who like went there i guess and he influenced that community and ever since then they've had a very very high level of intolerance toward outsiders yeah yeah i i, I don't know too much about that all i know but is there there were six people that the british did bring back into i don't know where to but it's okay. india probably two of them died to the, the basically the two adults died potentially because they were exposed to illnesses mm -hmm. that their immune system couldn't cope with and then the four children were returned to the island but i think there were other times that joe rogan might have been talking sure. about where there was some contact with outsiders and it wasn't probably you know great contact. My, yeah my understanding is this was like an infiltrator who right like came in okay and, um but i i didn't watch it but mm -hmm. um crazy so that's nuts 
um, that got us on the conversation of the evangelical mindset. Of oh yeah, like, because we didn't get onto that. Is what happened? Yeah. So yeah. this guy goes. He's going to witness to these people. He's going to tell them the truth, the good news of the Lord. Guy called John Chow. John Chow, John yeah, Chow, John yeah. Alan Chow, yeah. And he gets killed, and um, it becomes this story that like. It's so weird to, you know what's weird about it? It's like a really popular story right now. And I remember hearing these types of stories growing up in the church as a kid. It's interesting yeah. that it's like national news because it always felt like something that got talked about constantly when you were inundated with with like evangelical Christianity in your youth because constantly, it was a constant state of this person's going here, they're going to be this dangerous, they're going to go into, they're going to brave this world of, you know, people who've never heard the the good news, and sometimes it can be threatening. Like I, I know the story, yeah. And I, but it was steeped in me in such a young age as something so one sided. So like, of course they do. Like, of course they go into these places. And so these missionary families would come and they would visit the church and you give money to it. And now, kind of on the other side of a lot of this stuff, hearing this story is very fascinating because it's like I still have this tendency to be like, well, of course they would. Do, of course they they go and they evangelize yeah. or they evangelize is not the word keep, yeah. yeah i mean you're coming from a very like most people aren't thinking that like i think yeah. the thing is most people when, when this story broke it's this there is it's this guy who wants to proselytize goes to this island potentially bringing disease to the island um reckless the, reckless totally reckless yeah, yeah the villagers kill him and you know i think you know a lot of people are going this guy was you know, crazy for doing or whatever. But funnily enough, this brings us to the interesting bit is there is another side to the story. Yeah, I have some level of, of like sympathy inherently toward his, toward his like yeah. decision to do that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But of but, course I agree wholeheartedly that, with the other side, but I yeah. still feel this sort of like, Oh, but man. this is, I mean, the, the thing that came to mind for me, and this is the this is the philosophical bit that I'm interested in, is that, so on the surface, you hear this story, and the immediate response is this guy is nuts right he's going he's going to this island he's going to try to like create a kingdom of jesus he's mm -hmm. going to try and preach the gospel translate the bible um and uh, what we're trying to do in los angeles exactly uh, that's why we're here yep. <laughs> um and uh you know it's completely you know pro it's it's like what's the guy thinking yeah however this kind of does get us to something really interesting, which is the philosophical problem of what's called incommensurable worlds, where, right, if you go into his worldview, that it would be wrong for him not to. So there is this idea within confessional Christianity that you have to preach the gospel to every corner of the world, right? So yeah. It has to get out there. You to make everybody. fishers of men. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus won't come back until everybody has been preached to. Oh, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah I so remember that. That was a good one. To the one. ends of the earth. That there are still people out there who haven't heard the yeah. good news. And, and yes, so, yeah. it's your job to Because preach. heaven won't come, like, well, basically, because the end of the world won't happen until everyone has heard the gospel, right? So it's a it's an old confessional Christian and very taken and up evangelicalism. And it's very well tied into uh, the sort of capitalist American nationalist patriotism because I believe growing up I remember people being like you know obviously you don't it's not your job personally to go preach to the ends of the world it's our job and you should give us money and therefore you work at your jobs 
and live in your houses and live your life, but you have no real obligation to go to the ends of the world and preach because you vicariously give us money. And so is you give right? them okay, money yeah. and it's like, but oh, there are this people is who my way. Yeah, yeah. But it's still like the core value in that is like, I'm going to help get the gospel yeah, to the ends yeah. of the world, which people yeah. do through. So, yeah, so it's a very it's a very core evangelical principle that, you know, everyone should hear. This is why Christianity is a universal religion. In a conservative sense, everybody has to hear the message. Only a few people get in. And the liberals is everybody gets in. But it's, it's in a sense like you've got to get it to the ends of the earth. So this guy, if you believe that, here's the thing, if you don't believe that, the guy's nuts, right? If you don't believe that, you're like, this guy is... Oh my God! What what is he doing? If you don't believe that, what if do you, you mean? don't believe that, you know, if you don't believe in con this confessional evangelical Christianity, yeah. you're just looking at this guy. Oh yeah, and you're nuts. like you're a crazy person. He's a crazy yeah. person. If you did believe what he believed, you would be evil not to. You That's would, the clever. You'd thing. have the thing that I have—the little bit of sympathy. Little, well, yeah, little, yeah, but yeah. No, because because here's the well, problem. not that there's no sympathy. I mean, obviously, it's very sad what happened, but like, yeah, okay. yeah. But you no, know, here's the thing: if you if you actually believe what he thinks, it's not even similar. It's like, if you don't act on it, you would be doing something bad. Like, if you genuinely believe, one, is these people are going to go to hell, and two, Jesus won't come back until they and maybe the 99 other tribes get preached to, then not doing it is like, then you're bad, right? So those, those are two incommensurable worlds, yeah. i.e., like, if, if I don't believe this, but if I did believe it, it makes would, the most sense. It makes yeah. the most sense. It, it's like, oh my goodness, of course you're going to do it because these people's eternal salvation is at stake. And even if it isn't, because a lot of evangelicals would say if they don't know the message, then they they aren't held accountable in the same way. But still, the idea is until everyone hears the gospel, Jesus won't come back. So suddenly, you literally, you have to. So what do you do in a world where, and like, you know, we talked about this off, uh, Mike, but uh, something that um, uh, you know, Louis C.K. brought up, and I saw him, yeah, uh, do a comedy joke. show, but last year, and he said like his 2017 special, 2017 right? special. If you do, if you believe abortion is killing a human being, then of, of course, course it makes sense. Of yeah. course you're going to go out and like try and yeah. fight against it. And if you don't believe it is killing a human being and of course you're going to think it's awful yep, to yep. fight against it so what what does one do in a world where there are in incommensurable worlds i.e yeah. two worldviews that on the surface do not meet at all what do you do pete here's the problem uh -huh. you know if i may bring up the bible yes <laughs> the ideas that you're talking about today mm -hmm. they're they're scandalous ideas frankly Okay, yeah. because if you were to really scratch the surface of what you're saying, I mean, it's kind of like, it's not good. Like, the, the if you follow the line of thought uh, all the way down, it, you're, what you're basically saying is that the sincerity of someone's belief is not that, like, to be trusted. Like, just because someone truly believes something, it doesn't mean anything is that kind of no i'm saying the opposite of that um i'm saying that like whenever there is a or that's all that matters i guess no well i kind of said like whenever there is a belief that has like subjective commitment you know so there's a group of people who have a subjective commitment to a way of seeing the world i'm like saying although we haven't got to the reason for this okay. yet but i want to say that there's probably something deeply true 
in that belief like that actually you have to take it seriously so the, the concern for me is that we live in a world today where we don't oh. realize that when incommensurable worlds meet what some people are saying is we should we should be protected ideologically from opposite positions so there's a whole thing today um in a lot of universities in the us for example where where ideologically if there's something that you fundamentally disagree with it shouldn't have space it's that cushiony sort of yeah that yeah. hyper hyper protective yeah. Yeah. thing and, yeah. yeah and 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 to be honest but even there's some journals and stuff that 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 argue for this position that that conf that basically what's called dialectics is bad which means that incommensurable worlds the way progress is made in intellectually and in legal system etc is when incommensurable worlds are allowed to clash yeah and then um, well that's how i feel like most of life is like i feel like you live your life most of your life is in your head and the only time actually anything happens is when you have a contact with someone yes. that's difficult in some way because that's what produces your actual like self comes out then so it makes total sense that progress on a macro scale would happen the same way right yeah, Reminds yeah and, and but it, but it's different because there's two different ways of thinking about it. there's cause and effect which is um where the idea and this the scientific model is and cause and effect is you know one thing leads to another leads to another leads to another one billiard ball hits another billiard ball that moves and that's that is very true like cause and effect operates in the world um basically universally but dialectics is slightly different because dialectic says that progress is made not by this gradual progress of you know you have a position and then that position leads you to you know like you basically you hone it and then you get a little bit more progress and a little more progress that's i think that's what you're saying yeah i think you're yeah yeah so that's that's a, that's a progressive notion the progressive notion is you start with a position this may be broadly correct not completely and then through small changes it gets better and better dialectics is where there are actually for historical reasons incommensurable accident very different worldviews very different positions that and it's actually in the clash of opposites that progress is made and so within a lot of contemporary thinking it's like the I, dialectics is frowned upon dialectics uh, in america not so much in europe but in america dialectics is uh is not a good way to progress intellectually and yet that is how a lot of our in uh legal system is created i even juries you fight it out you fight different perspectives and through that fight novelty and new ideas and new new ways forward emerge you gotta wonder what made it uh be that people needed this sort of hyper sense of cushion protection like making sure i mean it's obviously it's such a thing right now and it's such a it's ubiquitous among it seems like the generation that's slightly below me yeah but i also know i'm a part of it too so like i was there i was there when they when it became all that that whole world became protecting everything making yeah. sure that everyone feels good all the time and at the same time i feel like what's also happened is on the reverse side people are so like up in arms about the fact that they can't be constantly up in arms that it all it i'm becoming t so tone deaf to the entire conversation does that make sense like i'm i'm yeah. almost losing i'm losing sympathy for 
even wanting to ah, it's so bad it's like there's like a conflict that's happening with political correctness and there's this whole thing and it's like how do we solve this what's the issue and i do feel like neither side right now is addressing what's really going on and yeah. i think that i'm i'm i don't care i don't i no longer care about the conversation of safe spaces that's yeah. what i would say yeah. if i could be in a yeah. safe space right now i would say and i were to say my deepest truth it's that i've lost the ability to give a crap either way i don't yeah. really think they're needed and I, if they have them i don't really care that much yeah. and that's not good right isn't that like the bumper sticker where it's like well clearly you should be angry. it's like i'm not i'm not angry but i think it's because it's not about the safe it's not about this like lack of a clash of ideas so much as it is um well i guess it is that but the ideas that we're talking about are all wrong i think the right idea is the one where uh it's economics okay. that's what i'm trying to lead oh, yeah. to Econo yeah i think it's economic good issue. god but um yeah i mean i mean like, what a little loop-de-loo yeah, that bullshit yeah, was yeah. i mean i do think that if you want to think clearly you should try to detach from from you know too too much involvement in you know social media and stuff so i think it's actually good to i know there's a lot of stuff about oh that's you know, what it, it's a detachment yeah. from it too yeah it's well, like, which i think but, but you know but if you want to think clearly i think that's that's an important thing to do to think clearly you've got to you know detach yourself a little bit and look at all positions but basically what i'm arguing is that that we that there's always a problem of incommensurable worlds and in fascism and uh, there's a movie, I forget the name of it, but there's a great line where every time you scratch a liberal, you find a fascist, um, is that the uh, that if we cannot tolerate... <laughs> That's really funny. What yeah, a good line. Holy, if you scratch a liberal, you find a fascist. Yeah, I think if you tickle like a liberal... Like scratching them, turns in, they turn into fascists. Yeah, you find that just beneath the surface, there's fascism. That's really yeah. funny. Because, the, because here's the thing, and Dylan Moran, who's a great Irish comedian, said it, is that the inability to have conflict is war war is the inability to have conflict yeah. so if you cannot tolerate listening to an incommensurable worldview to it then all you all the only option open to you is to destroy it to destroy it by any means necessary and that that that's a problem to me is if if we cannot tolerate the dialectic as in with dialectic is there's a thesis, a belief, there's an antithesis, which is kind of the opposite position. And through the clash of them, taking them both seriously, where, where you listen to the truth of both of them, you end up with a synthesis, which then itself becomes a thesis. But So it's a never-ending okay. process. But like basically, progress in society happens not when we laugh and ridicule a position that's different from ours like it can like this guy chow where you laugh and ridicule him and go like that was just a ridiculous position mm -hmm. but where you weirdly jump in and go well is there something in the position that i can learn from it's that it's that ability to enter into the fray of conflict that potentially brings novelty and uh by novelty i simply mean a type of language, a type of discourse arises that can solve the problem of of opposites. So, like in Northern Ireland, there was the Republicans and the Loyalists. Some wanted a united Ireland. Some wanted to remain the Northern Ireland to remain part of the United Kingdom. And it was only when the the war became so bad that everybody said, "We now need to enter into conflict. I we need to sit in politics." listen to the opposite position genuinely try to 
uh, tarry with it and see if some if, if a new way of going forward arises. And that's what happened in 1998. That's very beautiful. I will. I think I can test your theory right right now Go in real it. time. Okay. Mm. I think what's happening currently within this episode of this podcast yep. is a a certain type of clash and the clash that I'm experiencing that's uh, coming through by way of me kind of loop de looping a bullshit roller coaster is um, there's still part of me. And I think it's worth saying that like, just doesn't want to talk about anything to do with yeah. political correctness. <laughs> oh, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. as we're, as you're saying ideas that like are kind of loosely about political correctness and about kind of how you deal with the clash of ideas and all this stuff, I, I can feel, do you feel the anxiety? I feel an actual amount of anxiety as a result ah. of like sitting here going like, I don't think we can, I shouldn't talk about political correctness. And it's that's, like, that's interesting. No, you're right. And I'm not feeling at the moment because I've had a drink. But you're actually, numb to it. You'll, I'm numb to it. But but you're gonna so you're, sober up, and you're gonna be on my side like, of this shit. <laughs> and then we're gonna be like, we're never publishing this. Exactly. Because yeah. yeah, you're right. There's an anxiety probably that that this is what's so exciting about this conversation is that it means something. Like yeah, we're, yeah, we're, I guess we're, it as does. a society, we're I think as a society we're trying to work out how do we do conflict. Like yeah. like you know there that's what we're trying to navigate, and we could feel terribly at this. Yeah. You know, there's there's a real de- at the moment. I think we're at this historical moment where we have to work out how do we navigate incommensurable worldviews mm-hmm. without kind of like you know, and that's what we're talking about. That there's is an anxiety. We're, I think we're trying to be a subversive element to a conversation that's very like black and white right now, which yeah. I think is very cool. Which I think I think really that's what it is. My concern is like I'm happy to talk about political correctness and all that stuff but i feel like my just as we were talking about the the potential kind of for the podcast and like what we want this to be <laughs> this what, could destroy us I, yeah not even destroy <laughs> it's not it's actually the opposite oh. my fear is that we would become successful as commentators on the culture of pc and it's uh, like i just don't it and, and in me going yeah, i don't, don't care that. it's no me way, going yeah. like i don't want any part of like i don't want to be that pioneer at the same time when you're talk when you talk about that stuff, it is the most important stuff. It is yeah. conflict. Like the closest yeah. when we talk constantly, and I'll I'll talk till I'm blue in the face about like freaking romantic shit and like you know who I'm dating and how difficult that is and the interpersonal conflict. But for some reason, if it's a con, the moment you talk about conflict on a societal level, the first thing that comes into mind is political correctness. So it's silly not to talk about it. But it's also one of those things where I'm like, still like, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, know. But, I mean, there, there must be, like, I'm interested in going, is there a way of talking about it that is both challenging and interesting to all of us on all sides? And thankfully, because I come from Northern Ireland, where we were a completely divided nation. I mean, like, oh my God, that, that's why I feel I can maybe talk about my experience, because it was... Catholics and Protestants, nationalists, loyalists, uh, Republicans, uh, unionists, and um, is that that there is there is this divide, and we had to, for the sake of the country, we were going to fall apart. I mean, the country was basically going to blow itself into oblivion, and we had to find a way to create an, a, a space where we could listen to positions that we hated. And the idea was not that we would agree with each other, not that it would go anywhere, but just that maybe novelty 
would arise because maybe fewer people would be would die would die yeah. because splitting is a defense mechanism that individuals use on societies which is goodies and bodies where you're you're innocent the other people are guilty you split the world into you know black and white uh, good and bad and the thing about that is that's fine because that's a way of defending against the traumas of, of the suffering you know that your, your community's going through the problem is novelty doesn't arise the only the only way you can move forward is by destroying the other person so if you're republican the only way to move forward is that to make sure there's no democrats in the world Hell yeah, if you're em. a democrat to make sure there's no republicans in the world so Hell yeah you, get them <laughs> yeah so you end up in a world where the only response is the obliteration of the other but when you can have when you can tolerate conflict you allow for the possibility of a new discourse. Uh, Richard Rorty talks about this, actually, a, a great American philosopher. Um, he talks about the possibility of creating languages that bridge, that, that create a way of speaking um, that bring together disparate positions. So, But you can only find that language when you create spaces to tolerate listening to an incommensurable world. Have you? Yeah, but like... Sometimes the other... People, you just want to talk about romantic relationships. Yeah, and also, <laughs> sometimes other people, though, are... For sure. and But sometimes other people, their ideas are so bad. It's like, do I need to get into a room with someone who, like... Do we do we need to start from... I feel like we make progress as, as smart beings. We come up with progress in science. We come up with... We make progressive strides in many areas. Yeah. And then every now and then something comes along that is like a relic, like mm -hmm. either intellectually or scientifically or, and, and, or even personally, you bring in your ghosts from the past, as yeah. you would say in your stuff, or you would bring in old bad science or old bad methodology. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're supposed to tolerate these ideas on a point for point basis. And oh, it's like only on the surface level. Right. I mean, so Hegel talks about, and uh, you know the, the the rational is the real he says the real is the rational which basically means that everything that exists has a reason right and basically it's like no one has a bad dream right if you if someone has a dream it tells you something about that person's experience of the world nobody has a dream that's false as in the dream tells you something every position that someone has tells you something if you listen to it correctly. Now that doesn't mean that you take it on the surface, yeah, yeah. but but I would say that there, everything has its own reason. And so weirdly, uh -huh. that actually, that's the, that's you can the point. listen yeah. to everything. You, yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that you kind of take it, as I say, on the surface mm -hmm. level, but everything can be deciphered. Everything can be interpreted. By people who are, I mean, I think you're talking about that ability that like, ability to take in kind of not just surface level what people are saying yeah i don't think is a common trait among human beings i think yes we, you have to learn it yeah and yeah. i think then that what you're what we're kind of talking about is in a free open society we should have this exchange of ideas but then you're saying that oftentimes what's happening isn't really the surface level but those people in that free and open exchange by and large aren't going to know that they're going to take everything at surface level so it's yes. like you end up looking at somebody saying stupid Nazi crap online and you're like, oh, that person yeah. is a Nazi. And then a, a, someone else might go, 
or that person has really bad like mom issues and doesn't understand and then you add a little bit of context or a little bit of whatever i have seen on youtube a few people who have been kind of ridiculed online for doing something terrible were watching it i'm like that person is mentally ill right so it's almost like oh my goodness what we're doing is that that person you know has mental health issues and and so then that's not everybody but the it is the case of going um i do think it's like if you answer the question that the person really has the the thing disappears so for example if someone is anti uh immigrants or something like that right if you kind of go hold on a second right is there a certain sense in which this community for example um you know there's a lack of education a lack of jobs a lack of prospects a lack of this a lack of that and that they're being told that these immigrants are going to take their jobs or whatever and then you 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 read this situation in that way and then you start to try to address the problem by bringing in better education better job prospects better kind of etc etc if that's the real issue then the um, anti-immigrant feelings will largely dissipate Yes. In other words, it's always trying, this is a very religious notion actually, is instead of, you're always trying to go to what the real question is. What is the real issue? What is the real problem? Like, I I think that is, and I guess, but that's, I still feel like it doesn't address the concern of that being the, uh, a, it's, it's sort of still looking down uh, or at least not looking down it's it's spoken from the perspective of a very small percentage of the people in society people mm-hmm. like i i feel like so if you're just sort of leaving everyone to to their own devices to speak freely free full on just like everything is this and everything is that and by the way i'm just talking stuff yeah, out. i don't know what I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to make any kind of point but so these people they're all out there they're all talking da, da, da. the danger is I think that what you're talking about, people don't know to do that. Like, no, they don't well, have the no, that no, no. understanding. It's the opposite, sadly, but it's the opposite. It's like you go into any working class bar and this dialectic is happening. The only place it's not happening is weirdly in this middle class, academic, pseudo-academic yeah. kind of world. It's like genuine, and I don't know if it's the same in America, I'm guessing it is, but you go, like I, I grew up, in a weird mix of working class and middle class. It was a, a strange kind of mix of going to working class school. I lived for a long time in a working class area, but also had middle class mm-hmm. kind of elements. So I'm a, I'm a mongrel in that way. But when I, in the, in the working class environment. If you're new to the podcast, that means he's a non-magical person. He's a not, he is not, would not be accepted into Hogwarts. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, is that right? Um, yeah. So, but, so, but I was no, in a, I'd say, uh, uh, uh Muggle, muggle, muggle. Yeah. muggle. I'm a muggle, <laughs> but um, the uh, so I, you know, but I was in a lot of and um, hang out in a lot of working class environments and went to a working class school, and I'm like, oh my goodness, the the clash of incommensurable worlds and offensiveness and all of that exists within every every working class bar in in Northern Ireland that I could encounter. So I want to say that rather than being this elitist position where you you know 
where you kind of listen to people and hear difference and otherness. I'm like, no, that's actually coming from oppressed That's actually true, communi- yeah. true communication. True yeah. Communication. When you're in the pub and you're like talking, yeah. and you're having a good time, you're and, laughing and yeah. you're, there's body language. It's real life, basically. Like, like here, here's an example. I heard a Shizek was talking about it. Um, and I think it was Alanka Sapanchek, who's a great philosopher, mentioned this. And I, I don't know the ins and outs, but it was something about this university where there were some women who were sunbathing on a beach and there were these Mexican workers working on a building across the road. And the Mexican workers, I think, were wolf whistling, making comments to these to these white women. And the women complained to the university and a, a wall was erected, a plastic wall was erected between the Mexican workers and these people who were sunbathing, right? And what, what, was, what was happening here for me is the exact position of, in a sense, the, you know, the middle class, which is to protect ourselves from the toxicity of the other. Yeah, the scariness, but, yeah. But, but, but interestingly, and I, I did the this unknown. When, I, when I first went to America, I went to a few dive bars. I didn't know anybody and I was a bit lonely and there was a dive bar down the road. Um, I was in Torrance and I would go there sometimes and have a drink and get talking to locals. And it was so much fun, and it was so the the the, the cross section of people nice who were there. That sounds like it's such a nice time. It was really fun, and it was messy. It was dude. So I went messy. to a bar the other night, and this guy. <sighs> this is a conversation for not on the mic, especially if it's a delicate uh, conversation that we're having right now. But this guy was a little rougher, and he um, started talking to me, and he thought that I was. Oh, man, it was so weird, dude. Basically, this guy, he he was like, you know, I judged you. And he started saying what he thought of me, like based yeah. on how I looked and how much nicer I was when he started talking to me. But he made up all this stuff in his mind about what an asshole I was going to be. And I just kept being like, very like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like, I wasn't yeah. also wasn't actively engaging in conversation. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, I was super tired and I was just dead. Yeah. And so then I was saying I was going to meet my friend or whatever. And he started talking about this. And then this guy comes up and he was like are you elliot and he, this guy was at a comedy show that my buddy mike was on but i wasn't on but he so he knew who i was and yeah. but he wasn't my friend and then this guy realizes that he's like like a fan of my stuff or whatever and then that again shifts this whole thing and then he goes back to like kind of thinking i'm an asshole and i was like yeah. oh this guy like i can't win with this guy but it was so cool because i was like having this i went from being three different people with the same guy in public i was like what yeah. a cool thing like uh, this guy has no idea who i am but it, it was fun to see it kind of switch back and forth anyway yeah he was scared well that, that, that's it i mean here in northern ireland it wasn't the middle classes that brought peace right the middle classes all excluded themselves from the the violence like yeah. you know moved out lived in places that were like mostly safe it was it was people who were in prison a lot of the paramilitaries the loyalist and the republican paramilitaries who were in prison together who began talking began fighting as in like conflict began talking about difference it was it was that dialectic in prisons in Northern Ireland that was key to the peace process to novelty and moving forward. The the trick is here is like is that actually it's it's the it's the it's the groups of people who are most oppressed and most in uh, feeling the the violence of our society who are the people who can find a way forward in this. And just speaking from the Northern Irish experience. 
as I say, it was the people who, to be honest, sadly, had even planted bombs, had 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 fought the police or fought other people, and who were in prison in the maze, mm-hmm. who were who were then confronted with the the opposite, the enemy, who then had these conversations. They came out to their in communities prison. in prison. Holy shit! Yeah, literally in prison. And when they came to their communities. Um, who, these were people who had fought and killed potentially some of them for their cause and they came back into their community. So these are the toughest of the tough. Yeah. And they're like, we need to listen to the other side. So this is again for me is like the, 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 uh, the, our salvation is in these communities. Um, and I guess the fault the, the, to that end, like to take that like sort of utopian idea uh, not utopian idea, like yeah. what you're saying is a very real thing and it happens all the time, but like to take the idea of this conflict producing positive change, what happens then in scenarios where a guy goes to an island and this guy is living in a world where he's completely convinced of his rightness and he walks onto an island and they're completely convinced of his wrongness and then they destroy him. Yeah. What do you do with situations like that? Yeah. Do you Is there an obligation on us to... to in any way to talk to these people or do we let them live their yeah. truths and if they're doing weird terrible things like do we care like yeah well i mean it, it, the question for me is that yeah is that that what do we do with say fundamentalist like in america fundamentalist christianity this guy goes out to this guy the just a yeah. sweet sweet boy yeah. walking in like i'm gonna save yeah. him and then not. liberal progressive secularism like how does secularism and you know liberal secularism and, and fundamentalist christianity uh, how, how does that conversation either even happen? And my thing is, it has to happen. I was in a place called Eureka such Springs. A crazy conversation. Yeah, but in the, there's a place in America called Eureka Springs, and I can't remember where it is, but it's like somewhere in the middle of America, and it's one of my favorite places I've ever been in America or the world. And it's it's largely populated by hell's angels and fundamentalist Christians. Yeah, and it's wonderful because it's this incredible place that is outsiders from kind of opposite positions are living there. And I'm like, that is the example of these two completely opposed kind of positions living together in a very difficult way, side by side. I'm like, that something good is, something interesting is gonna come out of that. It's because they're in the same, it's because they're all living the same lifestyle essentially, right? Yeah. I mean, they're economically kind of in the same tier. They buy the same types of food. They should have the same type of budget. They're outsiders. That's why, I mean, I, I like, I would prefer to hang out with hellsy angels and fundamentalists than liberals and progressives, you know, um, because (laughs) the rebel, the outsiders even are, there's something happens when those outsiders meet together. So my issue is this is like, and this is where it is like, I worry that we are trying to detoxify ourselves. So the more money we have and the more education we have, the more likely we are to try to avoid otherness. The more we're, we'll we'll romanticize it, we'll fetishize it. So we'll fetishize otherness, but we will, um, which is its own type of racism, but then, but we'll try to keep it at arm's length. But, But when you're in the working class world, you're more likely to be in an environment in prison, in a homeless community, in working class pubs, where where you're dialectically engaging with each other, and that's where I think real interesting progress can be made. Dude, I um, I spend most New Year's uh, partying with Republicans. Like, yeah. Um, excuse me. 
family friend of mine is because a, you're part of the uh and and yeah um <laughs> no i think my dad is or was i i don't know i don't know if they still are or not but i remember doing some stuff as a kid with the nra for sure but anyway here's what i was going to say about this this when i go and celebrate and obviously there's a family friends i've known in my entire life but they're extended family i don't and they're mm. cousins and they're they're friends i don't know and then every year i go and it's like i don't consider myself a republican by any stretch of the imagination but mm. when i'm there 100 percent, i don't feel like not a republican i feel like we're all having a good time and i've yeah. never felt like an ounce i felt like a guest i felt like a like a person from los angeles who is taking part in this wondrous gift of you know pe- from other people and i feel kind of sort of like you know just like a guest at somebody else's place but i feel welcome and i feel like i am part of that group and i'm like well, what a nice thing and it's yeah. like obviously i have ties there and like my blood is there so it's not it's not a far stretch for me to feel super comfortable in that environment but i do think that there's like in there's environments you can go into that are people built from the people that are completely opposite to you that when you go into it you can be like okay this is yeah. fine it's actually not that big of a deal and, nice. and, then, and if you could the t- both people can tolerate the toxicity of each other then really interesting things can happen. Like my worry is honestly, that's that, what it is. I don't present yeah. my toxicity to them. I don't go, oh, actually, this is what I. But like. you probably can a little bit. That's the thing. That's what I mean. I can, it's like, yeah. is it the worry is that the more, the more, the more money you have and the more education you have, the more you can literally, like, physically, geographically, be distant from the other, and psychologically be distant from the other. But within working class communities in Northern Ireland, you're literally. Like there's peace walls that literally divide on, you know, the garden on the other side of the wall is the other community Mm -hmm. that you're so close. And I'm like that there's some, we have to work out how do we tolerate the toxicity of the other and how do they tolerate our toxicity? Not so that we just kind of like, but so, so that we can find new languages and new ways to communicate and new ways forward politically. Yep. That's the that's the argument in a nutshell. So this guy Chow who goes in and we look at the craziness of him. Partly, some of us have to go. Okay, well, you know, is there anything I can learn from that? Like, uh, you know, and 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 is there how can I listen to that worldview and? actually learn something from it like for you example what should i be able to shoot like female genital mutilation we uh-huh. talked about yeah briefly and you said don't talk about it i just <laughs> was the, like you know i mean yeah i can't speak yeah. as an authority yes but no but it. but the <laughs> idea is that you know if there is a community that engages in in female genital mutilation do we have a right to try to go in there and convince that community that that's wrong. Yeah. And does another community have the right to convince us when we do things that are fundamentally violent? You know, and then, yeah. so, so that's a question. And is that, the question, will we care when they present it to us? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not even giving an answer to that. I'm just saying that this is incommensurable worlds, that these are the questions that arise if you take seriously. You know, and what's crazy too yeah. is it's a real world thing. This is a real, this is, there are actually people out there. There are groups of people out there, tribes out there. There's pockets of communities. And we ourselves as a monolith society also contribute to the horrors of the world quite regularly. And we took, we need the other's eyes to see ourselves. That's the big issue. So very briefly, like when we encounter someone who is monstrous to us, who's other to us, 
we we either try to make them like us so we consume them we want to make the other look like us culturally politically if we can't do it we vomit them out we just say we reject them or we kind of like say you know what i'll tolerate your difference as long as you don't talk about it right but in all of those cases i'm right and the first two i'm right and you're wrong and the third hey we're both well the third is toleration there's a fourth position which is beneath all of our differences we both agree we're both the same and that's hey we're both right but the real radical move is actually what if i the other person's monsters to me they have weird beliefs and practices but if i see myself through their eyes i realize that i'm monstrous i'm weird i have strange political and religious and cultural views and i can only see that when i encounter the other who at first is toxic to me then i see myself through their eyes and i go maybe i'm toxic and then then something interesting yeah, can happen fun that's, stuff happens that's the interesting bit is is that the other the other is monstrous until i see myself through their eyes and then i see myself as monstrous it's just what if to what a great point first of all that's Thank a nice you. button okay. Um, yeah. So this is a, I, I'm only saying that to take a, a brief, like mm. deep breath. I like that a lot. That was really nice. Good to have you back, man. This is nice. This good feels good. Back. It's, it's great. Fun. I love this. Um, I'm, I'm curious what we're both going to gossip about this episode after we're done. I feel like that's how these, these fundamentalist episodes work is like we, we sort of do it. And then it's like, there's a third party in the room and the third party in the room is the fundamentalists. And that's when we hit record and then we hit off. It's like that fundamentalists figure the ghost of the fundamentalists leaves and then we go what'd you think and yeah go, so we oh come, i don't know we're yeah. gonna hang out again i don't know and if we hang out again it means we're gonna upload it but if not then we just discard you know what it, so. we need to eventually do eventually we need to record that bit and then give that out on like patreon i know yeah, yeah that's nice the bit where we decide the bit where, we, de- where we yeah. where we deconstruct it but when we were just when we're deconstructing it we i i typically required no recording oh yeah <laughs> yeah you have to pretend it's like yeah so it's yeah. so fun we oscillate in um in what we give a shit about in terms of like the fear of the audience like yeah. in certain areas i don't give a shit about any of it that's I'm right like, and i'm nervous care. and then and then and then yeah for in this, this one, one you're nervous it's funny i'm reason, not nervous yeah. and you're nervous it's this i just feel i do feel a certain I don't know. I feel, I wonder, I guess my concern is this. I don't want to, I don't know if the term, is it dog whistle? Not dog whistle or uh, dog whistle might be the dog whistle. Um, gaslighting or something like, like I feel like a lot of this stuff. Here's my concern. You know, mm. when we talk about the bachelor and the bachelorette and bachelor's paradise and bachelor's Island and the bachelor franchise as a whole, uh-huh. Have we and how wonderful that? it is. Well, we should, because the bachelor is a wonderful show. Okay. And yeah. it's amazing. And it's hilarious. I've got and, a friend who was on the bachelor. Really? Yeah. A guy, um, uh, Brady, Brady trips, who was, uh, that he, he, he was a, a years ago was a big, uh, figure on that show. Um, I think I could get on if I tried. I know a couple people from, is that from right? it, and I think nice. I could get on. Yeah. And I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. Like imagine I go from my reality show career ends with the bat, which is the pinnacle of yeah. how f- that would be pure performance art. Like yeah. I would be the, I would be the beta male sort of, you know, yeah. kicked off the first episode. But anyway, um, well, yeah, your worry, come on. I think I knew your, your worry is your, is your worry that, yeah, we, we sound like we're anti like people who are, who have genuine concerns with, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, uh, racism and sexism and stuff like that. Is that your concern? 
It may be the only thing I was going to say is I worry about the conversation of PC stuff being like the equivalent of when you're watching The Bachelor and you think you're in on the joke, but everyone else is watching it sincerely. Like there are people who watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette or these like terrible reality shows Mm. and they do it because they they laugh at it and they think that there's all these other basic people who are watching it sincerely and they really buy into this stuff but they know the truth and so they sit there and watch but in reality everyone who watches the bachelor that's the way they're constructed is yeah to appeal to the ironic viewer yeah yeah you're appealing yeah you it makes you think you're in on some inside joke Mm. when in actuality you're their demo yes you're the inside joke the joke's on you (laughs) you're throwing a party for the bachelor like of course you are it's to make fun of the show they know that they edit for it so my concern is that when you when we get into these conversations and we start talking about the sort of PC shit, it becomes this thing of like, we imagine this world where PC is this huge, wondrously talented thing. Oh, you're thing, saying, but it's not that big. And maybe it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. we... Maybe we by going, no, it's about the conflict of ideas. Maybe we're wasting time. But and maybe no, it's time yeah, we start presenting ideas but, that but are I'm worthy not, of conflict. Yes, but if I sound like I'm anti-PC, I'm not. Like, I think both, like the avoidance of conflict on either side, because some other people will go like, so there's there's the thing where you avoid conflict. Like, uh, I think it's a, a very, is it middle America where you say, bless your heart, where you kind of South. like, the South, bless the South, heart, yeah. right. it's beautiful, but but there's a certain place where conflict is always avoided and they can you know there's there's we have some people that's have when this it gets tendency, interesting yeah, right so yeah. so at one extreme conflict is always avoided but the conflict is just under the surface you can feel it you know what you know a person says it's okay in such a way that you know it's not okay yeah and then on the other side conflict is it's war it's like total kind of all out i'm right and you're wrong and i'm like both positions are problematic I, both positions are problematic, but I think both positions are at least some form of conflict. Mm. I, my my words got all jumbled there. Uh, the reason I was, tr- I think the the egg of that thing that thought yeah. that hatched was on Thanksgiving. I called my parents. You know, Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys are doing great. And my dad, we were talking and we we're kind of venting to each other and having a good laugh, and it was very fun. But one mm. of the things he had talked about was political correctness like it came up that he had said some inappropriate things and all this and i was like oh you know i'm just not politically correct and it was i realized that like the subject of political correctness often feels like like a like a band-aid that's put over the actual conversation on both sides where it's like the the people who are anti-pc and like you're saying we're not this isn't some anti-pc rant yeah if anything it would be the opposite but people who are like the pc if it's just neat, if we could just tear down the pc if it would just be less pc that's there's no real conversation happening yeah, there yeah, still yeah, it's yeah. still like you're still going if only the pc if only it wasn't so bad for if it wasn't if only we weren't so intolerant of people who are politically incorrect then we could have this conversation and it's like what if we just started having the conversation like i think yeah. that's what my well, fear that, is like a, that's what i'm like, trying to do with that, this but podcast this is, what, this is what incommensurable worlds is is that you know, it's sense of like there's truth on both sides. That's the great thing. Like political correctness has a deep le- sense of truth, and there's something really important to what it said. Yeah. And also, people who are critical of it have something really important to say. And and yeah, so let's moment, start saying that. Let's start yeah, saying the important shit. Yeah, but the difficult thing is. I don't know what the discourse is that will bring them together because like, yeah. you know, I, I've, I, that's philosophy doesn't give the answers so much as raises the questions, right? So I think they, I know so, what it is. It's going to be the global warming, man. Is that right? It's coming. <laughs> but, it's going to unite us yeah. all. But, but when, it, when with new discourses, because new discourses happen historically at various points, 
you don't know in advance what the new discourse is going to be, but you kind of can see that it's going to arise. Yeah. And going like, so my thing is like, I don't know what, what, what it's going to be that's going to move that conversation forward. But what I do think it might, what has to happen is that we have to be able to tolerate the other to some extent, mm-hmm. even minimally, by the way, you go in and you hate the other. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. With In Northern Ireland, the Republicans and the Loyalists, you know, they hated each other. They were against each other. It's just simply going, I'm still going to listen to them. I'm not saying that you should like it. In fact, you should hate the other, whoever the other is for you. You think they're a dick and that's fine. All you have to do is go, I'm going to listen. And the idea is that in that, it's not even a possible, it, it may not even happen. It might be a 10% chance that it's going to happen, but there's a 10% chance that a, that that novelty will arise, like a new type of language that will allow you to find progress. And maybe it won't happen, but the only way you'll know if it happens... Sugar, we're going down swinging. Is if, yeah. You got to give it a go. You got to give it a go. That's it. So I'm not even saying when you give it a go, it's going to work. Of course, it's not going to work. The chances are it isn't. You still got to give it a try. I think you're making a wonderful point. And I think my the point I'm making is also, it's a, I think we have to move past the conversation of political correctness to defeat political correctness. Yeah. I like, yeah. Like and, in, and I know that in the you're, you're more in the, you're more in the social media world, right? I, you know, I came out of it, although you're not that into it either, no, but, gosh, I don't. but I know that there's a whole thing about that. I, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't, all I know about political correctness is that's a term that some people, it's an anti-term is a term that's Yeah, it's an anti What a is great it, way to put yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like wh- wherever you are, like whoever you are, you think the other person's a dick, right? Whoever you are, if you're into political correctness, you think the other person's an asshole. If you're not yeah. into it, you think the other person's an asshole. So you know, whatever position you're in, you're, you're the other is a toxic other who you don't like. My only thing is like, how do we, and how do I, whoever I think is the dick, how do I listen to them? You know what's interesting, what you're talking about, this, um, the... Because I might be more PC than, I mean, I might be a PC, but I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I don't know where, where the where the labels fall these days, but I think that uh, what we're trying to do, and the conversation that you're having and that we're having, is essentially trying to articulate in some way what has felt to me in the past like a mental like pfft, like a pop like it's like oh oh okay right 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 but it's like it you're asking people to expand their capacity to tolerate certain things yeah. like it's okay to tolerate your own um uh shortcomings it's okay to tolerate the others sort of things that you perceive as monstrous and not and not pretend that they're okay like yeah. i think you're you're basically wanting I think what you're calling for is for people to be as honest and truthful as possible. And that entails holding all of this stuff together. And I feel like that's what adult life is, Pete. And I'm not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a fan of adult life. No, but here, and here's the thing, like some people, some people hear this kind of thinking and go, Oh, so you're saying I should respect or like, or, believe something of the other and it's like no no, no of course no. not Who no of course not no. don't respect Ugh, the other horrible don't like don't like the other think they're completely wrong i'm i'm not saying any of that i'm just saying can you sit in the same room with them because you shouldn't respect the other whoever the other is for you because you think they're an asshole the question is whether you can tolerate it's like it's the movie that ancient that old movie 12 angry men 
where it's a where a jury of 12 guys are fighting it out and they they don't agree and there's one person who's saying the opposite but it's like like it's just saying that that we can angrily sit in a room together and fight that might produce something positive and it might not and it might not but it's better than assuming that the other person dude it's yeah you just say stuff just say the thing it's terrible it's not that actually that complicated yeah just talk just talk to other people yeah you think you're so great talk to the people they're fine the great thing is i we're not talking about like i don't think we're talking to people out there we're talking to ourselves like i have to do this good like who is the other to me whenever i had a community called icon in belfast we would quite often go how do we offend ourselves who can we invite in that will offend me yeah who can i listen to who will just who i'll be annoyed to listen to because i'm like i need to expand my capacity to do that dude we were having a a conversation with somebody about bringing them on for the valley folk as like a a boss figure sounds like a producer because we really need we really really need one and uh and at one point we were kind of joking around about the prospect of this this guy we we are talking with and he was like he's like the thing is he's like you will hate me and i was like dude mm. i would be thrilled beyond belief to to, to ha- you. hate you yeah and to and to let you know and i was like i promise i'll let you know when yeah. i think you're being wrong when i think you're wrong yeah. and he was like okay great and i was like oh it was like i got i got so excited about the yeah. possibility of being like yes i might get a chance to be screwed over at some point by yeah. like you know my boss who who is inconveniencing me by wanting me to do it. i'm like what a great yeah. what a great thing and it's obviously me wanting structure and wanting all this stuff but at the same that, time i love that because you're enjoy you want to enjoy being critiqued oh the, yeah but let's and, grow let's make yes. this happen and that's Bring the it key in. is how do we enjoy being told we're wrong it's that but you can actually enjoy it you can actually enjoy that you can go to a place where people think complete that's why i say i go to the gun range because i'm like i'm going to enjoy hopefully i want to enjoy kind of meeting people who think that i'm an mm-hmm. idiot this yeah. is going to be what that i don't even know what's going to happen i just go like this could be a laugh very humbling <laughs> this, yeah a f- humbling and also a bit of a bit of fun yeah and um we've got to enjoy that because if you don't enjoy it you're not going to do it yeah i took your gun i put it down the trash sheet um cool uh <laughs> i didn't take your gun yeah. i do need, i do want to fire it at some point That's just right. to feel the power of death death and <laughs> macabre yeah um everyone thank you so much do you have any closing sentiments pete that we've kind of been all over the place on this very fun new fresh episode we have it's very clear we have so much to talk about we've got so much to talk we're, about we're bursting yeah. at the seams with bursting out the seams okay my thing is because this is controversial and i hope you enjoy the controversy i hope you don't you know i hope it doesn't raise too many defenses and whatever but my takeaway is simply <laughs> it doesn't raise too many <laughs> that's the only time i'd be like if i heard that i would be like oh okay so because i don't like it i'm defensive against you yeah well yeah <laughs> like, okay maybe that what if they're defenses? right yeah what if yeah. that was your what well, i think you saying that was your defense it was my defense okay yeah. i hope what i said doesn't uh trigger your yeah. your sensibilities but if it does no you're right because if it does it's because i probably an asshole i probably miscommunicated so badly because i know that's you know, what it is it's a fear of miscommunication too yeah. it's a lack of but you know what but that's okay it's part that's of it you're right like, you're right it I'm is okay anxious about that because i but but it's good to say it's like oh i may have screwed up but here's the takeaway 
the takeaway for me is kind of what I'm exploring is incommensurable worlds is when do we live in a planet where there is thesis and antithesis, i.e. two opposing positions? And if we live in, wor- in a world where there are opposing positions, is it possible to sit in the same room and listen and kind of fight it out? And my takeaway is if we're able to do that, sometimes we will find new ways to communicate that will create political and cultural and religious progress. And that that takes for everybody a lot of courage and commitment and it's a difficult thing to do. But if we do it, my takeaway is that can be a positive thing for society. I think that's a lovely sentiment. Pete, my takeaway is that we are okay as a society and we're going to be okay. I think wow. that's my big takeaway. Everything is going to be fine. Are you on drugs at the moment? Is that because that sounds a very just? It's not a bad thing, but it sounds like very much like you're high and you're like, eh, listen, we all love each other. It's all going to be fine. You know what it is? I think I have faith in our survival instincts, and I don't have faith in our tendency as a society to stay in our heads, imagine the other as this horrible thing. I think that when we do that, it's a path toward destruction and stagnation, whereas I think that when we are presented with actual problems, we somehow find a way to fix them. And I think that, that we beautiful. are, I do think that we are going to be soon presented with actual problems. And I think that we will solve those problems and we will get back to the luxury of all this bullshit we pretend See, to care about. While you're talking, all I can imagine is six months later, the world is ash. Completely it's like, ash. it's like, you know, the irony of it's all going to be fine. Yeah. And then it's just, if this was and a movie, like if a this is a movie, radio, it would be six voice. months later. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're around a fire with a wind and up it radio. Won't, it, we won't get there. We would be, if an asteroid was heading toward us, we'd figure it out. Is that right? Okay. I like that a lot. I'm a little bit more uh, skeptical of that, mm-hmm. but I hope you're right. Yes, me too. Well, me too. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>